Thank you for taking time to listen to our service. We're happy you've joined us today. Visit NBCOcala.com to find out more about who we are as a ministry or get information about upcoming events. There you can also discover all the convenient ways to partner with us financially. Thanks again for joining us. Enjoy the service. And help me welcome our internet family if you would. God bless you guys. So glad you're with us. Peace to your house. You may be seated. You may be seated. Well, we are in our final week of this series on faith and reason. And essentially we're talking about why do you believe what you believe? It's not just what you believe but it's why you believe it. As we've shared, Christianity actually invites us to explore. It invites us to think. It invites us to lift the hood and, and to kick the tires a little bit. And uh, to uh, Christianity, the Bible, God, Jesus can, can hold up to scrutiny and to questions. And what, I know, I felt that way yesterday. Uh, but... Let's start over. <laughs> no, but it invites that we explore, that we think, and, and it also invites us to believe. And so what happens is we use our heart and our head, and that is faith and reason. And so with an honest heart and with an open mind, we're able to explore things which will provide for us evidence of God, evidence of his word, evidence of his reality. And then from there, it is just a short, short step, a short leap at least, or at best, to just believe. And some of you will know what I'm saying when I say that believing is where the joy comes. That's where the peace comes. That's where the help comes. When you, when you choose to, God, I believe you. And when you believe him, that honors him Faith honors God, God honors faith, and that's when you begin to see God work in your, in your life in ways that you can't explain and you can't fully understand. I would not trade it for anything in this world, amen? Does anybody know what I'm talking about in this place today? And so we want to help ourselves. Honestly, my faith has been strengthened just in studying and, and presenting this series, um, and I'm, that is my prayer for you. And if you're in a place where, you know, I'm all questions well, I pray that you'll be able to get past some questions and be able to come to a place of not only getting some questions answered, but also to get to that place where, you, you know what, God, I believe you. And I'll say this too, if the only God that you can trust is a God you can fully figure out, that's a pretty puny God, okay? And uh, our God is great, big, and, and wonderful. Amen. Well, we need to know what we believe, and we need to know why we believe it. Let's look in 1 Peter chapter 3. We've looked at this every week. But in your heart, say it again, in my heart, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with and respect. And we're going to kind of... Uh, wander into that territory today. Now, we have covered a number of things over these weeks. We've talked about a historic Jesus. Did Jesus really exist? We've talked about God and science. I really enjoyed that one as well. And then last week, we talked about the reliability uh, of the Bible. And today, our topic is going to be Christianity. Christianity. Now, hold on for a few moments. We're going to end up in a real good, happy place uh, but we've got to travel through a little bit of tundra here for a moment. 
Christianity is increasingly rejected and marginalized. Christianity has an image problem. Christianity has a negative perception about it. And get this, not because of Jesus, not because of God and science, not because of the reliability of the Bible, not because of Christianity as a faith or as a worldview. Can I tell you what the problem is or rather who the problem is? It's Christians. It's Christians. And so we really want to look at this today. We need to take a good hard look at this and get some good clear instructions. It's going to to help us all. Look with me, if you will, in Romans chapter 1. Paul says, for I'm not ashamed, I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. Paul said, I'm not not ashamed. In the message paraphrase, he says, I'm most proud. We're going to share with you that sometimes I do have a sense, feel a sense of embarrassment about being a Christian, not about me being a Christian, but there are others wearing the tag of Christian that are being seen and heard by our culture, misrepresenting what I hold Christianity to mean and to be and how it is to act and and look and what it is to be about. And so I just have to give this disclaimer. I am proudly a Christian, but not like that. And so I, I, I want us to look at some things and I want us to look at ourselves today. And uh, this is hugely important because the worst part of this, the tragedy of all of this would be that someone would reject Jesus, that someone would reject God or the good news of his gospel because of the way Christians might would be. Are you with me so far this morning? Three of you. Thank you. Hey, and now for your listening enjoyment, go ahead and roll this. Did you recognize it? <clears throat> 2001 Space Odyssey, also Sprach Zarathustra. And uh, that's one of the worst renditions ever right there. Here's my point. Don't judge the composer and the music by the performance. Did you get it? Say it again. Don't... <clears throat> Don't judge the composer and the music by the performance. Yet some judge God and his way of life by the way some folks are acting and presenting themselves. Now, none of us get it perfectly right. None of us. This side of heaven, we will not get this right. But we have clear instruction from the scripture of what we are to pursue. 
and how we are to present ourselves and how we are to represent him. And I believe that he will help us along the way with that. Amen. Well, there was a, a civil rights leader in India by the name of Gandhi. Gandhi is attributed to have said this. I like your Christ. I don't like your Christians. Your Christians are so unlike your Christ. Now, there's some debate on whether or not he actually said that, real or not. If he did or didn't, I believe it still rings true with far too many folks. And so Christianity, hold on, we're going to go through a little rough patch here and, and, and get into some good stuff. We are typically known more for what we are against rather than what we are for. We are perceived as hypocritical. By that, I mean we say one thing but live something entirely different, have double standards, and live lives that don't match our beliefs. Also perceived as judgmental, harsh, out of touch, old-fashioned, boring, irrelevant, narrow, cheap, too political, always have pat answers and platitudes, dogmatic, defensive, conspiracy-minded, mean-spirited, and the list goes on. Could I get an ouch this morning? (laughs) So let's look at this. I am going to use a a couple of things I did in a series about a year ago called New View because of how important this is. And I have no qualms with reaching back and and saying something again to you. Multiple times we have Jesus uh, to his disciples saying, and again, I say to you. And so important things are certainly worth some repeating. Um, By and large, we have not realized, we have not recognized a new reality. And here it is, and this is also painful. America is post-Christian. Now, there are, we are the majority, but the mindset and worldview that is being accepted in, in our nation and in our world is not Christian. We are post-Christian. We've lost our place in the center. There were, there were decades and decades where Christianity was the norm, Christianity was the rule, Christianity was the standard from the courtroom to the classroom and everywhere in between. And somehow that opportunity, and I have a lot of thoughts and opinions on that, that opportunity has slid away, and now we are no longer at the center. Now, uh, don't worry, though. God's plan will, God will get done what he wants to do. But we're no longer at the center, and so there are other worldviews crowding the dance floor, so to speak. We're not the only ones dancing anymore. And so you have worldviews of pluralism, postmodernism, relativism, existentialism, and so forth. And so you have all these other worldviews. And so now, for our purposes, church and Christians, we find ourselves in one of three categories. And I want us to look at this and identify ourselves this morning. The first category that church and Christians would be kind of categorized in our culture would be separatists separatist. I'll come back and fill this in in a moment. Second would be cultural. And thirdly would be ambassadors. I'll go ahead and give you a clue, okay? We are to be number three. We are to be ambassadors. So a separatist, this is church against culture. Church 
against culture. Cultural would be church of culture. Church of culture. They're just like the culture that they're in. You can't tell the difference between church and culture. And then ambassadors is church in and for culture. Now follow me carefully. Church in and for culture. Now the Bible tells us to be in the world but not of the world. But it does not tell us to be against the world. Church is to be counter-cultural. But counter there does not mean against. Counter means like if you're in negotiations and somebody gives a price or a proposal, you counter that, which means you give another option. And so as ambassadors, church in and for culture, we're trying to show a better way. So what separatist church against culture, what they offer is judgment and condemnation. A lot of finger pointing, judgment, condemnation. Cultural, and let, let me back up on this, judgment and condemnation. Look at me just for a moment. We're not allowed to do that. That is above our pay grade. Jesus was very, very clear. Paul was very, very clear about we're, we're not here to be judges. None of us are qualified to be judges. We use judgment as far as I don't think I'm going to get up on the roof this Christmas. You know, things like, <laughs> things like that. Cultural, cultural offers permission permission. Look at me. We can't do that. We cannot give permission to our culture to behave in ways, do things, whatever, in ways counter to what God wants. That also is above our pay grade. So we can't offer for our culture judgment and condemnation, nor can we go give permission. It's good. We love everybody. The truth is, What ambassadors offer is hope. Hope. Everybody say hope. Hope. That's why we're here. That's why we're here. Listen, when we got born again, when we gave our lives to Jesus, did you notice he didn't just take us out of here? He left us here. And as I say, it wasn't a transportation glitch. It wasn't an administrative error. He left us here for a purpose. And part of it is so that the world around us can get some hope so that they could see what it's like to be in covenant relationship with an almighty God, a heavenly father, and how he takes good care of his kids. Amen. Well, read with me, if you will, Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5. You, say that's me, you are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? It is then good for nothing but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but, under a, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light so what? shine before men, before culture, before the world around you, so that they may See your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Let's read it in the message paraphrase. Let me tell you why you are here. 
Well, that perks my ears up right there. Let me tell you why you're here. You're here to be salt seasoning that brings out the God flavors of this earth. If you lose your saltiness, how will people taste godliness? You've lost your usefulness and will end up in the garbage. Here's another way to put it. You're here to be light, bringing out the God colors in the world. God is not a secret to be kept. We're going public with this, as public as a city on a hill. If I make you light bearers, you don't think I'm going to hide you under a bucket, do you? I'm putting you on a light stand. Now that I've put you there on a hilltop on a light stand, come on. One more time. Shine. Shine. Keep open house. Be generous with your lives. By opening up to others, you'll prompt people to open up with God, this generous Father in heaven. Can we get an amen on that? Now look with me in Psalm 34. Psalm 34, verse 8. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is mad. Oh, I'm sorry. That the Lord is mad good. Blessed is the man who trusts in him. Notice this. Taste and see. Taste and see. I can't help but connect the two. Salt and light. Salt and light. And I believe that when you and I are salt and light, people around us will be able to taste. Are y'all? Y'all with me? I'm over here. I believe that when we are salt and light, people will be able to taste and see what? That the Lord is good. I think a lot of people are tasting and seeing that the Lord is mad, as I inserted a little bit ago, or, or whatever, it would, or that the Lord is weird. I promise you the Lord is good. I said the Lord is good. And we need to conduct ourselves and reflect in such a way that people can actually taste and see that the Lord is good. And if the Lord is good, We are to leave a good taste. And if something tastes good, it has to do with the ingredients. Let me suggest some ingredients for us. First of all, how well we love. How well we love. That's an important ingredient. Secondly would be what we believe. What we believe. That's what we major on constantly. And then thirdly is how we live. How we live. How we live what? How we live our love and our beliefs. And I believe that when we live our love and live our beliefs, we're going to leave behind a good taste. And then people will want to know more about this. Uh, my wife and I have on, on dozens of, of occasions, and I am not exaggerating, gone into a restaurant, even on a Sunday or whatever, and the server, the, the, the waitress or waiter are stressed and upset and ticked off. And... Uh, we have befriended a lot of them and we say, what's going on? They go, I'll tell you what the problem is. I just waited on a bunch of church people. And I said, they better not be from Meadowbrook. So we have engaged in a program with all restaurants in the area where they have security cameras and there's a live feed that comes right here. So we can see if it's you, okay? (laughs) Let it not be named once among us that we're these cheap, complaining, grumpy people because of who we represent. (laughs) Amen? And it's not even about Meadowbrook, but this is just my responsibility to influence and to help you. It's about Jesus. And the sad 
horrible, tragic thing was be people turned off to Jesus, turned off to God, turned off to his good news because of the way some folks are acting. Don't judge the composer and the music by the performance. Don't make me play that again. <laughs> Listen, it is most evident and expressed best these in what we say and do. Say and do. Come on, read it with me. Say and do. And listen, it's not just what we say and do. It is how we say it and do it. My sister was here first service. She comes, she comes first service, and, and I shared this openly with the church. When we were kids growing up, it was me more often than her that my mom would grab by the scruff of the neck and say, apologize to your sister and tell her you love her. And I can remember times and mom's got me in the, in the Spock hold. And I go, sorry, love you. Now the written transcript of that says, I'm sorry and I love you. But it wasn't what I said, it was how I said it. And I'd have to say it again and again until mom was satisfied, okay? So listen, say and do, it's not just what you say and do. It's how you say it and you do it. You realize this, realize this. Our demeanor, our demeanor is virtually as important as our doctrine. How we carry ourselves, the whole tone and attitude of our life is, is virtually as important as our doctrine. And our doctrine, that is, that is our bedrock. So how Jesus entered into and interacted in a, get this, pre-Christian world. That's what Jesus came into. A pre-Christian world. He came into the world and interacted in a certain way. And in that same way, that's how you and I are to interact with our culture in a post-Christian world. So how was it that Jesus entered and interacted in the the culture in a pre-Christian world, same way that we're to interact with a post-Christian world? John 1, 14 tells us this, and the word became flesh. Jesus put on flesh, came to the word became flesh and dwelled among us. And we beheld his glory, the glory as the, of the only begotten of the father, full of grace and truth. Grace and truth. Say it. Grace and truth. That is how we conduct our lives. So what does that look like? I've got four things I want to share with you real quick this morning, suggest to you, this is what it would look like for us to interact with our culture around us full of grace and truth. The first would be this, become more self-aware. Read that with me. Become more self-aware. I've had people tell me this, and I'm working on this. Oh, I'm working on this. Uh, hey, pastor, passed you in traffic the other day. You looked mad. I'm like, I'm not mad. Here's the, here's the problem. Sometimes my resting face is grumpy, but I'm not grumpy. Some of y'all, your resting face is grumpy. I want to be more self-aware, seriously. I don't want to drive around town, not putting on, don't give this religious fake smile, you know, everywhere you, don't do that, got to be real about this, but I don't want to be the opposite of that. I told you this story last summer that uh, 
I was driving along this road, two-lane road. There's a school bus coming the opposite direction. It has stopped, got the little stop sign out. There's about six cars in front of me waiting for somebody to get on this school bus. And then I'm there, and it's like, is anybody getting on this school bus? Doors open, stop signs out, cars are backing up behind me. And all of a sudden, this guy comes along with big headphones on and his backpack. (laughs) Funky winker bean. Some of you, that means nothing. Totally unaware. Just totally unaware of of the world around him. You need to become more self-aware wherever you go, grocery store, restaurant, home. What do you give off? Be- become self-aware. Are, do you come off negative? Are you always complaining, always interrupting, always commenting, always narrating life, always criticizing? We need to become self-aware and make sure that we're actually bringing a little bit of peace and a little bit of fresh, fresh wind wherever we would go. I think that would be good. I said, I think that would be good. Yeah. Secondly, do this. Do things that make people look favorably in God's direction. Do things and do them in the right way that makes people look favorably in God's direction. The scripture said this, let people see your good works. Let people see your good works. Not let people see your Facebook rants and your tweets And your bumper stickers and your picket signs and your lectures and your scowls. Let them see what? Your good works. Your good works and that draws them to God. You know what we're supposed to do? We're supposed to shine. And I don't care if your boss says, I want you to sweep today instead of being the vice president or whatever. Whatever you do, I just think you should shine. Come on, say shine. People need to notice something different about you. And not that you're religious and stale and grumpy. But there's something going on on the inside. Something real. And there's a peace that's almost otherworldly. Not weird. How many times have I told you I don't want you to be weird? Please don't be weird. And again, if you're going to be weird, don't mention Meadowbrook, okay? Next. Hold your convictions and be gracious. Hold to your convictions. You better have some convictions. Hold to them, but be gracious. On Thursday evening, my wife and I went down to Tampa for a graduation. Some dear friends of ours, they adopted two boys a number of years ago, and one of them was graduating high school. It's just a a beautiful story. His whole life and path has changed because of adoption. And we went down to celebrate with them. The, uh, The speaker... For the graduation, it was a Christian school. The speaker was one of their alumni who is now a circuit court judge. And this lady, well-spoken, committed Christian, circuit court judge, I just thought the whole time, go, girl, go, girl. And she shared with them, she said, listen, you've been raised in Christian homes and in a Christian school, and you have this biblical worldview And you're about to step out into the world. There's going to be a lot of other worldviews crowding in on you. And she said, don't you for a second just assume that you're wrong. Get your convictions and hold those convictions. No matter how good somebody sounds or how, how level their thinking seems to be, don't you abandon your convictions just because they have their worldview. 
So have your convictions, hold them, but be gracious. Look with me in Colossians chapter 4. Be wise in the way you act toward outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. Hold your convictions, but be gracious. And then lastly, live the letters. Live the letters. What do I mean, live the letters? There are books in the New Testament called epistles. They're letters. And if we would just take them, they're written to New Testament believers to tell us how to live in this world. If you just live the letters, some people are, and listen, read the whole Bible, but you better be majoring in the letters. It's the instruction of how we are to live. Some people are still wrestling back in Leviticus on can I eat shrimp or not. Come on forward and get in the letters. Just in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, just in one chapter, short chapter, in a short book in the New Testament, here's some instruction for us. Grow in faith, live pure, treat people right, work on your own issues, walk properly toward those who see things differently, mind your own business, work hard, And live a quiet life. Live the letters. Live the letters. Listen, I said it earlier, our demeanor is virtually as important as our doctrine. I believe that people will be more receptive to us and to our message when they see the genuine joy of God in our lives. Did you hear what I just said? I believe people will be much more open to us and our message when they see for themselves in us the genuine joy of God in our lives. This is not something we put on for people. It's something that begins to grow from the inside out. That's why we are here all the time, teaching, training. That's why every day you're growing in the things of God so that you have the genuine joy of God in your life. Listen, it's like all the world views, everybody in our culture, in our world. It's kind of like we all live in one great big guest house. And everybody has their own room. But get this. But we all have to share the hallway. So when we're in the hallway, let's carry ourselves in the right way. Amen? Let's be, let's be just as Jesus entered and interacted with a pre-Christian world full of grace and truth. Let us interact in a post-Christian world full of grace and truth. Let us be generous and gracious and kind. Let us be committed. Let us be principled. Let us be centered. Let us be happy, stable, fruitful, and blessed so that we can be a blessing. In our everyday authentic lives at home, at work, at school, at the marketplace, in fields and farms and gyms and salons and stores and hospitals and schools and wherever we would be, let us be the real deal. Let us not be the problem. Let us be salt and light and sugar. So that the world around us will taste and see that the Lord is good. Amen. Amen. Did you get anything out of this today? Thanks for listening to this week's message from Meadowbrook Church. We hope you'll stay connected by following us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at NBC Ocala.